We're multitasking so much that we're living in this like distracted life where we can never be 100% present. But if you are fully there, you can be so good they won't forget you because you can show up as your whole self. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Emily Jansen, keynote speaker, podcast host, author, and co-founder of The Assist Group. Emily has been called a next-level motivator and inspirational leader. She lives up to her motto, be so good they won't forget you. Her wildly successful TEDx talk, Six Tips for Building Your Confidence, garnered 3 million views in one year and was ranked number 12 on the list of most-watched TEDx talks in 2022. She is frequently called upon to speak and consult on how to create more confident, goal-driven employees by Fortune 500 companies, sports organizations, and national conferences. Emily emerged onto the scene as a leader in the sports industry when she was named general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, the first female to hold this role in nearly 20 years. She was later named to the DEI committee partnering major and minor league baseball in their inclusion efforts. On her podcast, Leadership is Female, she interviews female executives so that she and her guests can guide the next generation of female leadership forward. Leadership is Female is among the top 10% of podcasts consumed globally and in the top 200 of business podcasts worldwide. And coming spring of 2024, her book, Let's Go, A Guide to Increasing Your Confidence. So check it out. Listen in for some great takeaways about leadership for the next generation and how confidence can play a role in your success. Well, I have the pleasure today of being with Emily Jansen, keynote speaker, podcast host, author, and co-founder of The Assist Group. Thanks for joining us today, Emily. It's a pleasure to see you and have you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I want to give our listeners a little bit of background. I know you've done a lot of things, as I just mentioned. How did you get to where you are today? What led you in this direction? I know most people who are entrepreneurial in nature. We all have these long, windy paths. What brought you to where you are today? Sure. So it's another story of a nonlinear path to where I am today. Starting, I went to University of Illinois and I really wanted to have a career in sports. And so my first job was an intern with the Chicago Bulls. And I sold tickets, season tickets and group tickets for the Chicago Bulls to start my career. And let me tell you that this was equally a dream job and a nightmare at the same time. <laughs> I was an incredibly shy young woman. I could perform on the sports field, whatever it might be, but put me in front of somebody I didn't know 
and ask me to talk to them and not a chance. I had gotten a little bit of confidence in college where I'd found my comfort zone in Urbana-Champaign and then moving into the big city and having to make 80 calls a day in sales was so outside my comfort zone, but it was really also a turning point where I had to decide, all right, am I going to like level up to this opportunity? Am I going to really lean in and learn and grow? Or am I going to shy away and retreat back to my hometown where that's not the life I wanted for myself? So right out the gate from school, I was like forced into those uncomfortable situations, which I think paid dividends over my career from the Bulls to working in nonprofit, selling big sponsorship and running major events, ultimately working in baseball, running corporate partnerships, then heading to Houston to do major events, then back in minor league baseball to being the GM of a AAA baseball team. And when I had that role, I was the first woman in nearly 20 years to have that job. I think the last 15 years were ones of tremendous growth, which leads me to where I am today as a host of the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm an author. I've got a TEDx talk with over 3 million views that took place last year. And I'm a keynote speaker. So corporations now hire me to come to their stages and deliver messages to their employees, which to me, I think is if the Emily at 18 like looked at me today, she'd be thrilled and she would equally be shocked because she was able to grow from the girl who couldn't call to order a pizza for the family because I'd have to talk to a stranger <laughs> on the phone to speaking on stages in front of thousands. So tell me, growing up, what was your sport of choice? So I played everything. I was basketball, volleyball, gymnastics, but really tried to track and cross country but soccer was my main gig. I ended up playing for half a second in college and ultimately ended up playing on the club team for a couple of years, which kept me active and competitive and was a ton of fun. Amazing. Like you, when I got out of college, I was at a firm where we were smiling and dialing. We made about 500 phone calls a day. If we were lucky, talked to 50 people and had 10 opportunities. And it's quite humbling when you have to make those number of calls. And some of the friends and colleagues that I had made back then, to this day, they have PTSD about even (laughs) picking up the phone. They're afraid to even do it. So 500? A lot of I don't know how you reach that number. That's crazy. We had to make 500 dials a day. We weren't reaching 500 people. Clearly, this was pre like starting out caller ID and answering machines. So if we were lucky, we got 50 people to actually talk to. So it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's definitely a learning experience, as you mentioned, for sure. So for someone, and you just mentioned it, who opened their TED Talk saying that in high school you were too shy to call in a pizza, which you just mentioned, what was it like to present a TED Talk after that? Well, it was a number of years later, and I experienced a tremendous amount of growth in that time. But if we go back to the girl who couldn't order a pizza, I had this seed, I think, planted inside of me that was like, it wanted to grow. Like I had an idea of the woman that I wanted to become. And I loved my childhood. I have amazing parents and grew up in a small town with good people and just enough opportunity to like give you a taste that I wanted more. I wanted more excitement. And the person that I was 
was not someone who could reach those goals. I needed to change. I needed to become a more confident person. So I really thought about how I would do that, how I would grow. And over time, I did. I was really intentional about putting myself in really uncomfortable situations because I knew that even though the opportunity sometimes felt like it would physically make me sick, I knew it was the right thing to do in order to experience the growth that I wanted in my life. So in this TED Talk, I really talk about practicing those behaviors that get you through that feeling like you're going to throw up to actually like doing the thing, experiencing success, living through it, and therefore being able to change your attitude because confidence is really a skill set. So I I do want to tell you a quick story though from that TEDx day. You go through this gauntlet, like you're doing all these revisions about your talk and you have to present it multiple times to a committee. They give you feedback Collectively, they've watched thousands of talks. So it is very smart to listen to their advice. And and may I ask, I'm sorry to interrupt, Emily, were you approached by them to present this or was this something you were proactively going after? So a little bit of both. Friends okay. had told me, you need to do this. And I take those signs and I kind of run with them. I think that's been a key theme of my life when someone presents me with a challenge instead of Turning my back, I say, does this make sense? And if it does, I'll go after it full bore. The TEDx talk is in most, I can't speak for every city, but from what I've kind of found out is that typically it's an application process where you present your idea. And among all the applications, if your idea is selected, then you get a spot on that stage, but you have to earn it over six months, at least TEDx and Reno. You write your Rough draft, you present it, you get feedback. Then you do round two, your revised talk, you present it, you get feedback. And then round three, you got to be there. You've got to be able to deliver with no notes, with the confidence that they want to see. So it creates a great video. And if you're not there, like you don't get to do it. They want to put on a great show. They sell tickets to thousands of people to come to this event. So you, as a speaker, are responsible for nailing it. So I think there was good training along the way. And the night before the talk, they hosted a dinner with all the sponsors, and they introduced all the speakers. And I had seen the lineup, and it was a very impressive roster of folks, doctors, lawyers, a comedian, people with large followings, authors who were going to be talking on the stage the next day. And I thought during the introductions at this dinner, everyone would be jumping out of their seat. Like, it's me. I'm going tomorrow. This is my topic. I can't wait. There was an underlying tone of just nerves. And I was like, this is kind of strange. You know, and I looked, my husband went with me to the dinner. I'm like, are you like getting this sense too? Like, People are kind of nervous about tomorrow, and I just assumed it would be this upper level of confident, boisterous folks. So the next morning, we get to the convention center, and everyone's kind of like in their sweats because we have to be there early and like look at the stage, and they do hair and makeup. It's, It's a really phenomenal setup, but it's the same thing. I'm so nervous was the theme of the entire event, and I was not presenting until the afternoon. But I said to myself, like, I need to get out of this environment because this is going Mm -hmm. to 
ruin my talk. I'm talking on confidence and around me is like, this is terrifying. I'm so scared. (laughs) I'm going to forget my lines. I'm like, whoa, you can't put that in my head. So I didn't. It sounds like you should have went first to get everybody all ramped (laughs) up and ready. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't leave the venue because I wanted to kind of stay in that cocoon of like TEDx, but they had practice rooms in the back. And I basically sequestered myself in this practice room that had like a mirror and I had my bottles of water and everything. And I performed that talk like I was going to take off out of my shoes. Like I would just practice and practice and just like start to build this energy and smile. And I had timed out my day. So I would get my hair done at the right time and my makeup and like be ready to go and take the stage. And instead of absorbing the nerves of the group, I decided that I was going to create like my own environment of excitement. And I practically ran out on that stage. It started my talk. I had like unreal energy. The crowd went from kind of like slumped in their chairs. I saw them sit up. I had the greatest time. And I will say that I had the greatest time delivering that talk because I chose to. So. Yeah. I would leave that message with your audience to say, what are you feeling in that moment? What do you want to feel in that moment? What do you want to leave others feeling? And really bring that forward. I think in a lot of situations, it's your choice. Yeah, exude the feeling you want your listeners and your audience to feel, right? And make them feel that way. We've talked about, or you've mentioned confidence a number of times. Why do you think confidence is such a key to success? I have a podcast too called Leadership is Female, and I've interviewed about 150 female executives. And with my sports background, those interviews started out as female executives in sports. I still interview those women, but I've also expanded to CEOs of companies outside of that industry. And I started to realize a common thread through through most of these interviews. When I was asking about hurdles that they've overcome, tipping points in their career, best advice for our listeners. And most of the time, those answers revolved around finding your voice, increasing your confidence, showing up for the leader that you are. You earn the position, so work it. Don't fade into the background. So that theme started to develop through all those conversations. Then it was also a common theme in my own life. So I realized like, if all of these women had reached the goal that they were working towards because they had looked at confidence as a skill set rather than something they were born with it, maybe this is a wider message that we can share. And if we could help people improve their confidence, like what would they be capable of? So that's how I built the talk. And I think the numbers show that these six behaviors that I taught have been viewed by over 3 million people in a year. It was the number 12 talk on the TEDx channel last year. And people are reaching out to me around the globe and asking for more. It's like, this is a conversation we need to keep having because I think there's a lot of people who are like 18-year-old Emily that have that little seed of like, I was meant for more. I want to grow. I want to do more things. I just don't know how to get there or I feel I lack the confidence to get there. So leaving these tips or helping people on their path to greater achievement because I'm here to live a big life. I think probably a lot of your listeners are. That's why they're listening to this show. If we can help, if we can give you one little clue that helps you go after something that you've been dreaming of, 
like you can experience a greater joy, I really feel, in your life. I want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our latest best-selling book, Financial Planning Made Personal. It breaks down complex financial concepts into simple, easy-to-follow steps that anyone can understand. Everyone has a unique financial journey, and this book can help yours. Do you have your copy yet? If not, please go to financialplanningmadepersonal.com and order one today. And I have one more question for you. What did you do today that brought you joy? And we're all about joy here on the Midland Money Mindset. So you nailed that one. I know that this is going to be a longer answer, and I'm fine with that. And you just talked about it, about the six behaviors to increase your confidence. I think that it's so important that we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about those. What are the six behaviors? Because I think if our listeners take one, two, three, or even all six for sure, and start implementing these tomorrow or even later today, it's going to be hugely impactful to their situation and their lives. So what are they? The first one that I want to talk about is 20 seconds of courage. And I'll start describing this by just one simple question. Like, what could you do? What could you achieve if you only had to be brave for 20 seconds? 20 seconds is it. I think my Mm -hmm. two-year-old daughter can count to 20. Like That's the amount of time that you have to flex your bravery. And what could you start? What could you release out into this world if you allowed yourself 20 seconds of courage? And the example that I use often when I talk about this, I have many depending on who my audience is, but because we're on a podcast, I'll tell you, when I started Leadership as Female, I was sitting on the carpet of my closet floor looking at the intro that I had recorded for the podcast. And I thought, should I just revise this one more time? Should I edit the recording? Does this need any more tweaking before I should release it to the world? And I was finally like, Emily, give yourself 20 seconds of courage and just hit publish. I think we stack up like all this Mm -hmm. emotion on all of these little actions. And if we can just set that aside for 20 seconds and hit go, like Mm -hmm. you can release that thing. And I did with the podcast and I was still breathing. It didn't kill me. Always fix it later. You can always make it better later, right? Yeah. And three years later, the podcast is alive and thriving and It's been an incredible experience, but I almost didn't do it because I let the fear of what other people might think with a title like Leadership is Female, such a bold title. I let what they think maybe stop me from releasing something great into the world, but I didn't because of 20 seconds of courage. All right. So 20 seconds of courage. What's up next? All right. Number two, cheer someone else on. This was the game changer in my career, 100%. Early in our careers, I think we're super competitive. I'm sure you can picture yourself at that call center and there was probably some leaderboard on who was doing the sales. And you never thought of like patting your colleague on the back and telling him, probably, I'm putting words in your mouth. I'll speak for myself, I guess, at the Bulls. Like we were in competition all day long. Sometimes you'd be like, hey man, nice job, like selling those seats or whatever, or getting that group in. But really it was all about like, who was going to win for the week, who was going to get the commission, who was going to get the job. There wasn't enough room at the table. As my career progressed, especially when it comes to relationships woman to woman, and I'll tell you, I was at a conference in Vegas 
speaking a couple weeks ago, and this was still a key theme in the room. Women are intimidated by other successful women. They see your title. They see your headshot on LinkedIn. They, they're like, oh, how'd she get there? I bet she won't help. I don't think that's true. And I think when that changed for me is when I started cheering other people on. I started saying, good for you, not for me. A little quote from Amy Poehler. That's her accomplishment, not mine. Like, Why am I even putting myself in a situation where I'm comparing her to me? Like, It's her journey. Good for her, not for me. And I started to genuinely like cheer people on and say, great work. I'm proud of you. That's amazing because I realized that that old saying, rising tides lift all ships is true. And if you can be in the same tide pool as those other ships because you've become friends with them, you have added colleagues who are successful, you guys can share advice and cheer each other on, like we're all going to get farther. And that was a huge tipping point for me in my career. Yeah, I call it the abundance mindset. That's what I call it, which is very similar. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it was a game changer for you as well when you stopped like worrying about other people's accolades and focusing on your own business. And when you did see someone else succeed, you thought, great job. Good for you. Like train yourself to react in that manner with that abundant mindset, as you put it. I would also say or add to this conversation, number three, take a seat at the table. And I don't mean metaphorically speaking. I mean, actually take a seat at the table because we're talking about behaviors here. Every time I mention this, people automatically think about the book that says women work harder, step up to the plate, which I agree with, like get to work. Like you always have to work hard. But what I'm talking about here is the behavior, take a seat at the table. And if you notice, there are people who enter the room or enter the boardroom and they wait for the seats to be filled. They might stand along the Mm -hmm. edges of the room. They might be the last person to introduce themselves. You're not taking your seat at the table and your confidence will increase when you know that you earn that place in the room, extend your hand, introduce yourself, tell people who you are and physically sit down. Don't be the one. It's like musical chairs when we were a kid. There's like not a seat left. And oftentimes it's a woman who's like, oh shoot, like there's no chairs. I didn't sit down because I was just, I was kind of waiting to see the way this all played out. Take your seat at the table and everything will change. I've got a few stories on this topic, but one I want to talk about is there is a woman who is an agent, major league baseball agent, super successful signed one of the biggest contracts in baseball. But early in her career, she noticed that she was actually guilty of this activity. It took her a minute to realize, like, what is happening here? Like, people aren't looking at me in the meeting. They're not, like, including me. I'm here for a reason. And then she realized that it was her behavior. She was the last one to sit down. She rarely spoke up. And she realized that if she wanted to become the agent she envisioned herself to be. She needed to start acting like her. And that was a woman who physically took her seat at the table and contributed to the conversation. And when she did, it changed everything. So take a seat at the table. All right. Number four. All right. Bolster your confidence through great performance of a skill you can already perform with excellence. So we have all had to try something new right? And it's scary. And you think, am I going to mess up? Am I going to look stupid? If I try this, it gets worse as we get older. Your kids have no inhibition. Like 
you try whatever so many challenges. Yeah, I agree. Do. Yeah. And as we get older, we lose that. So mm-hmm. I hack here is if you are going to take on a new challenge, reflect or perform something you already know how to do great. Like at one point in your life, you were a novice at this thing. Do that first and it will help you to get a running start on what you want to do next. One of the ways that I use this is when I talk to people about setting new goals, like if we were going to talk about what are your 2024 goals, the hack to this is reflecting on some specifics of what you've accomplished in the last year. That is going to bolster your confidence to think bigger for what you want to do in the future. So bolster your confidence through performance of something you can already do with excellence is the fourth behavior to practice increasing your confidence. Great point. And uh, all right, let's number five. Number five. All right. Moving right along. Three, two, one, go. This is the countdown. I'm an athlete. That's how I grew up is performing by the clock. It's like you're looking at the clock on the basketball court. What time? Yeah. And most of us at one point in our life, hopefully have played some type of organized sport. But even if you haven't, this is a great hack because counting will get you started and momentum will keep you going. And I've used this technique many times because I've had so many uncomfortable conversations. And I think this is the best place to use this technique is when you have to have a conversation that you're really dreading. Three, two, one, go. I use this in my baseball career. I had to talk to the managers of the other teams and talk to these guys about things that I like didn't want to say or behaviors I might've had to correct or bad news that I had to deliver. And every single time I would say in my head, when my body wanted to run upstairs to my office, (laughs) I would say in my head, three, two, one, go. And I would either start walking towards them or I would start talking. And this is such a great back pocket hack to say the things that you don't want to say, but in our lives, like we have to have these conversations and communication can be so challenging, but it's always better when you do what you need to do, say what you need to say rather than retreating from the situation. I agree. That's a great hack. And I'll probably find myself using that in the near future, I'm sure. Love it. So six and definitely last, but definitely not least. Yeah. Celebrate constantly. This one is so... I'm not good at that. Yeah. I'm working on that. Yeah. And the reason why it's so important, and I really hope that your listeners hear this, the more you celebrate, the more you wire your brain for more success. See, we like comfort. We like cozy, fire, your favorite coffee, whatever it is. Like your body likes to do the same things and just kind of live in this homeostasis, right? But when we push ourselves beyond our comfort zone, whether that's with 20 seconds of courage or three, two, one, go, and we survive, you have to tell your brain, I made it. And you kind of push your comfort zone a little bit further down the line. So the next time it's easier to do the thing that once felt hard. This is how confidence is increased. And the secret is that you have to celebrate that success. So you can tell your brain, like, we did it. We survived. We actually really like this feeling. On the other side of this success, let's do it again. So celebrate constantly. 
I love it. Can you just, before we move on, because I have a couple other things I wanted to get into, but could you just run through those six points again, one through six, so we have a recap for the listeners? Yeah, 20 seconds of courage. Cheer someone else on. Take a seat at the table. Bolster your confidence through a for a new challenge through something you can already do with excellence. Count yourself in. Three, two, one, go. And number six is celebrate constantly. Amazing. I love it. I'm going to see how I can implement this because a lot of these things, I call them different things, but I'm very cognizant of incorporating these things. And some of them I'm not, and I can see the benefits. So I'm I'm certainly going to be implementing some of these things. So thank you for sharing those six points with us. And I encourage our listeners to take action today, if not on all six, because it might get a little daunting, just start with one and get started, right? So you have a motto from my understanding, be so good that they won't forget you. And I think that that is so powerful. What do you hope that people take away when they hear that? What I really mean by this is we have this life that is busy and it's overcommitted. And if you're a professional, if you're a parent, if you have your Hopefully you have your own goals of personal success that you want to achieve. You have friends, partner, you have all these things happening in your life. If you sign up yourself to attend anything, meeting, even work for the day, a workout, whatever it might be, and you're only half there because your brain is somewhere else, you're thinking about your to-do list, you're making a mental grocery list in your head, you're voice texting somebody while you're running, we're multitasking so much that we're living in this like distracted life where we can never... It doesn't work. Yeah. You can never really be 100% present. But if you are fully there, you can be so good they won't forget you because you can show up as your whole self and you can be the parent on the sideline that is cheering their kid on and then shaking the coach's hand after the game and saying thanks so much for supporting our team because you're not on a work call. You can be the girl in yoga class that mastered a new hold because you weren't checking your Apple Watch for a meeting and you stayed really focused and you were so good. They won't forget you on the mat next to you or the teacher in front of the room and they're impressed that you've been so dedicated to your skills. There's so many ways that you can apply this. Like this podcast, I'm focused on talking to you right now. I'm not worried about the next thing on my agenda. This is what I committed to doing at this time. We are here together. I want to show up. I want to show up for your listeners. And this little saying is something I just keep in the back of my mind. Be so good, they won't forget you. I think people deserve your best. And you also deserve the space to show up in that way and not live in an overcrowded world mind schedule. Just bring a little bit more intention to what you do. I agree. I agree. So I have to turn it now because we talk a lot about sports on here because I'm a hockey family, not necessarily a baseball family. But at the same time, I have to ask for the baseball fans in our listenership, what was it like to be the first female in AAA baseball to hold the general manager role in like 20 years? What was that like? Yeah, it was awesome. I earned the job because of what I can do and because of my sports business acumen. So I'll say that the tagline for a long time bugged me. I didn't want to be pinned as the only woman in the room. But I realized initially 
that's an honor and a privilege, but I didn't know what to do with it until Mm -hmm. I was at the famous baseball winter meetings about eight months later after the season. And I had the good fortune of being on a panel at the women in baseball event. And I talked about my job and my role and what I do. And oh yeah, I'm a mom and I have these goals and I do this thing. And after I left the stage, a line of people formed in front of me. And one woman after another said, I didn't know that I could have that job until I saw you. And that's when I realized like how important representation is and how important it is to use your voice. And that's really where the Leadership is Female podcast was born. I didn't want to only talk about my story. I wanted to share the microphone with other women. Like It became this larger platform for me to help elevate others in their jobs and their careers. But also working in that sport, like it's a grind. Like baseball has so many games. We all know that. But it's also incredibly fun to create this amazing event for all the fans in the community. What a great experience minor league baseball is. Second, working in minor league sports, like you don't have a roster really to promote because at any given time, your affiliate can pull your best player and they're at the major league club. I looked at this as how amazing is it that you get to see these guys' dreams come true? Like, sure, this might be your favorite player and you love to see him in Reno, but his goal, his job is to make it to the D-backs roster and get his call up. So like, let's support him here and then let's support him when he makes that move. So along the lines of your six behaviors, right? Celebrate others, right? Yeah. People's dreams come true at this baseball park. Like it's amazing. This will air after the World Series in 2023. So we don't know who's going to win, but Arizona Diamondbacks are in the World Series. 19 of those guys played for the team that I was the GM. Oh, wow. It's just amazing. Like they're humans, right? They're people. We look at athletes like they're superhuman, but those guys are your cousin, your brother, your college roommate. Like they're just dudes living their dream. And it was pretty cool to be a a small part of that at one time. Amazing. So I got to ask you real quick, as a baseball traditionalist, I would imagine, do you know about the Savannah Bananas? I do. Yeah. What do you think about them? Well, they're not part of... We're big fans of that. Yeah. We've seen them live. It's amazing. So they're not part of of affiliated baseball anymore. They are their own entity. However, I think what they're doing is fun. It's exciting. A lot of the principles of how they started this sort of traveling roadshow, like started in minor league baseball. Minor league baseball is known for their wacky promotions, their giveaways, And the fun that you have at the ballpark, I've got to credit the Savannah Bananas for that, for just taking it and running with it. It's amazing what they have done. And now it's been fun to see some of these ex-MLB guys coming back and just like having fun on the diamond with them, probably feeling like they're a kid again. Agreed. Agreed. Well, listen, Emily, it's been a pleasure having you on. And we end each of our shows by asking our guests all the same question, because as I mentioned, we're all about joy here on the Midland Money Mindset. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? I would say that was completing my run. I'm training for another marathon, which keeps me 
probably too busy given all that I've got going on in my life, but it's like my one little slice of me time where I get to be outside, which is so good for you. But before this talk, I have had two miles of sprint work today that I did outside and I'm smiling right now because I, right. I got it done and I, I took that time for myself. So whatever that means for you, I encourage you to not put it off, get it done and have that great smile afterwards. Sounds like a great moving meditation, as they say. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you for taking out the time and joining us today. We're going to have all of your information in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about you or learn more about your podcast, Leadership is Female, or anything else that you're up to, What's the easiest and the best place for them to learn more? Either Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm at Emily Jansen and it's J-A-E-N-S-O-N is how you spell my last name or at Leadership is Female. Follow us and we're providing more tips on confidence. We're showing you how to live your best life. Make sure you're goal-centered and living big because we're only here for hopefully 100 years apiece and live your best life in the time that you have. Well, thank you, Emily, again. Thank you for taking out the time and sharing some great actionable takeaways for our listeners. I appreciate it and enjoy the day. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much. I want to thank Emily Jansen for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Emily's motto, be so good they won't forget you, is so powerful and can be helpful to countless others if they felt the same way. Emily has had a tremendous success in all that she has set out to accomplish. Now, she is looking to help lead the next generation of women and men find similar success in their lives. Emily Jansen and all she is up to can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find her can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.